are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I am here with the legend, Jay Larson of Recalibration Matrix. What's going on, Jay? Uh, not too much. I'm just uh, trying to get by day by day. <laughs> yep, it's been a crazy time for all of us. Well, I, I appreciate you making some time to chat with me and podcast. I always love having you on the on the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm excited. Uh, so listeners, what Jay and I are going to chat about is kind of a team positions and team roles. And this came up um, in discussion where people were comparing some different characters. And I wanted to point out that they kind of fulfill different roles on the team. And so kind of in the way that if you watch any sports ball of any kind, you know, just you're a baseball fan, which to be honest, I'm not. But you don't hire a catcher to play for shortstop and like vice versa. You have you, each character kind of fulfills a role on the team. And so um, obviously I think the easiest position to kind of explain is the leadership position, right? Up until we get X-Men, which will kind of change that discussion a little bit, but you only have, um, you only have one leader, right? And so that is a very key specific role on the team now, mind you, I guess there are some situations where now when I look at, say, like a started like a team composition where I'm like, well, do I want this to be a defenders team or an Asgard team? So maybe there is some flexibility. Have you had that come up for you, Jay, where you have kind of like a team idea, but it could really be in multiple affiliations? Um, not not too much, because um, right now, the majority of my games have kind of been ones where it's like, OK, I'm, I want to play this affiliation focused on this character because I'm going to be prepping for the podcast. And so um, it, it's not the normal, um, you know, uh, process, I guess. Not the, not the same thought process, right? Cause you're like, I need to test out these things. I want to, I want to know how this is working. And I, I run into that with a channel too, where I'm like, I am excited to play all of these things, but I feel like I should get a game with this team, like this right. faction on the channel. And so sometimes I'm, I'm hitting that too. But just as like an example for listeners, some people are starting to contemplate Cabal with Kingpin as their third character. And and so there is some weird like where you go like, well, if I'm starting with Kingpin Modoc, maybe this team idea, especially if I'm considering running Taskmaster anyway, where you might actually have some flex in the design, like I could certainly play this as a um, as a Cabal team or as a syndicate team. And both are potentially grabbing Modoc, And so there is still some flexibility there, but I don't think we need to go into super detail on the leadership role because I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Would you think so, yeah. Jay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the second role we're talking about is kind of the, the power second. I know, Jay, you and I already started talking about this. Do you have some good examples of like what a what that power second role is for a team? Um, so I think a lot of times in a lot of the affiliations, there's a second character that is I I don't want to say auto-include because that's not something that I, I think necessarily exists or should exist, but um, some examples are, like, if, if you're going to play Web Warriors, um, you're, you're going to be starting with Miles, and most likely the next character you're going to be taking is Gwen. I agree there. Then you're debating on, you know, am I going to be taking Peter Parker or am I going to be taking Venom? You know, et cetera, in the third slot. Um, another good example uh, would be in Cabal. Um, you're you're likely going to be looking at Modok as as your your second character. Yep, I agree. 
So those those are a couple, I think, uh, fairly clear cut examples. Yeah, and I think there's absolutely like, say, if you're playing Wakanda, sometimes if you're really like wanting to play for a Serp the Throne and Killmonger, Killmonger might be that second character where you're like, right. Killmonger is what I'm trying to force. And in other situations, that might be Shuri, where Killmonger is not as important of a character, and that might be flexed out for Okoye. And Shuri's that like power second character where it's Black Panther Shuri, which I think is probably more common. But I think in some designs, Killmonger fills that spot. Um, and then I think Valkyrie, even though she's not the bigger, more expensive character, like a Modoc or something like that, she still kind of fills that power second role for both defenders and, um, Asgard, where I think a lot of time you start Thor Valkyrie and, def- you know, uh, Dr. Strange Valkyrie, cause she's just such a solid, effective character where for those affiliations, you're going to, you're going to kind of go to her right away. And I think you're going to recognize that in your team. And even though we've mentioned some examples, these really aren't the only ones. Like if you have a particular team design, like I was just talking with Jacob about what he's been doing with Hulk in Defenders. And so he's got some designs where I'd say Hulk is the power second because it's all about using Doctor Strange with the Soul Gem to drop a pentagram right away. And then Hulk uses the pentagram to be able to do really strong things in the extract to like go pick up two cubes, that sort of thing. And so that in depending on what you're playing, that that role could change. But I think recognizing what that is for your build is really important, kind of like to the rest of the stuff that we're talking about. Uh, are there any other examples you want to get in, Jay? No, I mean, those are those are the I think we've illustrated the point fairly well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's that one. I think this is another role that I don't think is going to take that much understanding. I think most people already get it. But I think when we move on to kind of what I call kind of the affiliated third slot, right? Because a lot of time I feel what's really common is with maybe the exception of Syndicate, I think most of the time you, you're picking a third character, probably largely based on threat level for to help you fit in other things. But you're picking a third affiliated character that gets you to your bonus. And I feel even some of the times that might even be one of the weaker characters on the team. Like it's not as important to the plan. This is just kind of the, the best case in best case character to get you to your, um, your affiliation bonus. And so this has been a big one where obviously taskmaster has started to pop up in a lot of teams where he can be that affiliated third for anything. Right. As a taskmaster mm-hmm. started to like jump into your builds or. Are you focusing kind of in affiliation? Um, I've still I've still been focusing a fair bit in affiliation. I, I do like Taskmaster, and obviously I think that he's a very efficient three point character, which is great. Um, but there's there's still a lot of builds where having the being able to uh, use like a, a key team tactics card that's affiliated, yes, um, ends up being really important. And so there's still a fair number of times where I'm uh, going with like three affiliated characters. Exactly. And like when I'm playing Asgard, sometimes I'm like, well, I want the third character to be able to use Odin's blessing. So it's going to be Hela or Loki or maybe even Angela. And sometimes I'm like, if I need to get it to a lower point level, then I'll play Taskmaster there. And but what would you say are some of the best or like best examples of affiliated thirds for some other affiliations and outside of Taskmaster, obviously? Sure. Um, I mean, we can continue my first example, probably. Um, obviously, after, after in Web Warriors, when you uh, pick Miles and Gwen as your first two, 
Um, you theoretically could, I guess, slot Taskmaster in there, but I, it's again, it's a situation where I, I don't think I would just because um, the other two play to what the affiliation is doing, and so now you're you're kind of at a juncture of, you know, what type of list, what type of strategy am I going to be pursuing, and is Venom or Peter Parker going to help out with that, and. Um, and I think that that's a, a pretty good example of, I guess, kind of the thought process that this slot kind of is having. Exactly. And actually, I want to mention Peter Parker specifically because I've been on a little bit of a Peter Parker parade of late because I've actually really liked him in this slot in a Defenders team. And I keep mm. having to explain to people like, they're like, well, Venom's better and this character's better and Black Panther's better. And it's like, yeah, but it's a different slot, right? I need my third affiliated character. And I'm not a huge Hawkeye fan for Defenders. Hulk is really expensive, right? Like Daredevil's okay, but I actually like Peter better than um, Daredevil for that slot. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I'm like, yeah, there are better characters than Peter. But for that third affiliated slot for Defenders, I feel like Peter has been an absolute all-star for me. Is is that one where... Have you felt like Peter has has played better into what defenders are trying to do than uh, Taskmaster? Because that seems like it could potentially be an example of one where you could have Taskmaster in that third slot and potentially have it, depending on what your strategy is with the list, have it work out fairly well. Yeah, I do like both of them. They are basically the two characters in my defenders roster that are that that slot where it's basically if the points work out where I can still take Peter and take the other characters that I want then I will I will happily take Peter. If it's at a low enough point threshold where I need to get it down, where I like, generally I like Peter at kind of 18 plus, and I will often take Taskmaster at 17 or less is kind of where it, where it breaks down. But yeah, those two characters are basically my primary two for the, the third defender slot. That makes sense. Um, but I will say like he has played so well into the strategy combining with Doctor Strange being able to like push someone out of position like I have a game on the channel where Doctor Strange moves up he attacks Doc Ock who's standing behind a building and I just kind of like he has cover but I get the damage and so I push him um, horizontally so he comes out from around the building and then Peter moves up impact webbing him and pulls him forward so that another character come up and finish him off like it's all about the it's all about the the movement shenanigans mm. But nice. Um, but yeah, I think another good example of an affiliated third is obviously I think Okoye in Wakanda. Like a lot of times she's your go-to, and sure, that could be Taskmaster now. Like if you get start getting to a larger threat level, maybe like 19, maybe even 20, maybe she does flex out. But I think Okoye is a really, really great example of affiliated third. Yeah, and it also can you you talked about with Wakanda what your, your two slot is. Um, a lot of times this can have cascading decisions where you may decide that, um, again, a lot of this comes back to how you want to play the list, what you envision it doing. Um, but you know, whether you decide to have Shuri or Killmonger, um, in the second slot, maybe you end up having one of them or a in the third slot. And so, 
you know, a lot of times it, it does end up having like a chain of decisions that, that carry down through the, the tree. Absolutely. And I think when we get to the next slot, there's a lot of times where you actually pick your leader. You kind of pick like the most important affiliated character. Then you pick like your most important unaffiliated character. And then you have to kind of like go back and decide, well, what points do I have left for this third slot? Right. The third affiliated slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens to I think Cabal probably the most where they could easily run Zemo. Mm-hmm. They could easily run Loki right now. They can run Kingpin in that slot. Um, they can run Loki plus mind gem in that slot. Like you have a lot of points to play around with and they have really solid characters at different threat levels, but depending on what you're trying to fit in is obviously going to affect that, that slot as well. Like, especially if you're trying to keep your team at four, right? Like I think, the threat level of your kind of affiliated third is very important and probably plays into things more so than it's like their impact on the table. They're often chosen for that threat level. Is that something you would agree with? I think that's true. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to um, your kind of your unaffiliated fourth, your unaffiliated flex or um, I guess I want to say like almost like the unaffiliated character that benefits the most from being in that leadership or just helps the team like cement that role. Right. Like I think a lot of teams, at least in the past, have like Shuri has kind of been that character. Right. Like if you're playing Black Order or something and you have all these characters that want to roll dice and like smoke people, you kind of need some rerolls to kind of lock that in. Mm hmm. But I think Shuri's actually fallen out of favor a little bit. I'm not playing her nearly as much. I still like her in Black Order and Wakanda, but I guess I've been playing her in Defenders a little bit. Um, I suppose that's slightly off topic, but is Shuri still like a really common, like unaffiliated fourth for you? Or is that kind of drifted off? Yeah, she she's drifted off some for me. Okay. Um, I guess one of the things I kind of want to circle around to as well in this slot is that before we had started recording, you you talked about kind of the genesis of the idea of this episode. And one of the things you said was that there are a lot of people who are like, you know, why wouldn't you just always take X character? Yeah. And I think that, uh, I, I guess this is kind of a common theme for this episode, but um, again, I, I think it's really important for you to be thinking about what your, uh, your strategy is for the list. Um, if all your, if, if you're, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? If, if your main, what you're wanting to do with the list is play kind of a, a really hard attrition list that's, you know, dazing and knocking out people. Um, then a lot of times kind of like the point optimized options, like maybe I'm taking Valkyrie in the four slot uh, are, is, is something that's, you know, the, the proper choice, but that's not always what you want to do. And also if, if, I think that you you become a better player if you are able to play a diversified diversified uh, set of styles, depending on you know what your opponent has or what the scenario is, etc. And so um, there's there's lots of reasons why you you might end up not just going for like okay this these are my four most point efficient characters that uh, I, I'm going to throw into this list. Yep, I agree. I think, say, a good example of this is, right, obviously, MODOK is an incredibly powerful character. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of natural synergy with, say, playing MODOK in Web Warriors, right? Now he has the potential mm-hmm. ability to reroll his failures. And, like, Aim Lackeys is fantastic with um, 
well, almost anyone, but specifically with Gwen and probably Venom to a certain extent as well. And so obviously, I think when the points work out, MODOK is potentially a great, like, unaffiliated fourth for Web Warriors. But if you're, say, you're playing on a D-Secure, that's not a great spot for MODOK. And so he may be in your roster as your kind of your unaffiliated fourth, but you may need other options for that that character that may be better. And maybe that is Valkyrie. Maybe it's Thor. You know, there's there's other characters that are a little bit more efficient on D secures than Modok. And so I think it's important to recognize which not just for the team overall, but like for the crisis, you're going to have to make some flexes in this spot. And your roster often needs multiple options. Yeah, I think that I agree with that completely. Um, I think Deadly Meteors also does that for a lot of teams, right? Like Vision is often a great kind of unaffiliated fourth character for Wakanda. Um, he actually can be that uh, a good unaffiliated fourth for Cabal as well, um, for defenders. But you may not want Vision if you're playing into Deadly Meteors, right? You're like suddenly that two energy defense may be a bit of a liability and you want a character, a different character that flexes in there better. Maybe that's Ronan or someone that, you know, has that four energy defense. And so I think making sure you have a couple of options in this spot is key. And if you always are just go into the MODOK plan and then your opponent puts you in a bad crisis for MODOK and you don't have another person for that slot on your team, that can mess things up for you. And then you're like, you're trying to play this really great character like MODOK, but you're playing him into a really suboptimal situation where you just can't get the work done out of him. Yep, I think that's true. And another another thing that I've talked about on a lot of different podcasts as well, so I I won't harp on it too much, but um, there's there's just a lot of value in being someone who can play off-meta choices. And so... If everyone else is is playing X thing and they have a gazillion games of practice with X thing, then when you bring something completely different, they're not going to know how to react. They're not going to be as practiced against it as you are playing it, um, and it can it can have a, a pretty big uh, advantage if you do that. I one hundred percent agree. And one of, the, one of the things that's really nice about this game, in my opinion, um, is that. Um, you know, going back to the, you know, why doesn't everyone just play X model? They've done just like such a really good job balancing the game that a lot of times the differences are fairly minute. And so, you know, you can pick something because you just love it in, in the comics, or you can pick it because I'm just a million different reasons and, and not really have a competitive disadvantage. And so I, I think that that speaks really well to, how well designed the the game is. Yep. Um, I actually brought this up in a recent episode. I was teasing Greg a little bit for, cause I just listened to your guys's um, Gwen episode and Mm -hmm. he said he didn't like Gwen in black order. And that's something I've actually swung around to a lot where I have been finding, I've been using Thanos a lot to pull in my opponent. Like I'll do alien ships, but then I want them to actually get the, I want them to go up and like find it. And then they're like, yeah. And then this random character is in the middle of the board with the extract. And then Thanos moves up cosmic portals, them mind stones them, and then Corvus murders them. And that started making me think that maybe I would like Gwen more than Shuri as my kind of unaffiliated Mm, fourth. And I keep rather than pushing the character away or like needing the additional dice to make sure key attacks land. 
pull them like completely towards my army, basically to my deployment zone with these these two different characters combined and then i just now you have this character totally out of position that's just sitting there back there with my corvus and proxima who are totally safe because they're on the totally like they're still basically in my deployment and and it just that i mean obviously i think gwen and shuri are both great characters and this isn't going to be some crazy uh you know crazy list design that nobody's thought of right like (laughs) we've got two great characters but i think they bring they're both these really great three threat characters and which one you want for that spot can totally change how your team plays. Right. And if you're so practiced in playing against Shuri, it's a totally different dynamic when you're worried about your character getting pulled forward versus being pushed away. And so that's just a really simple thing. But um, to go off your example as well, like being ready to switch to something a little bit more off meta, like we were talking about Modok and web warriors. What if you switch that to Ghost Rider, which people don't have nearly as much preparation against? And what happens when he just highways to hell and drags a Modoc or something off into the middle of nowhere and then long moves away? Right? Like, you're not necessarily prepared for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, when Greg has said that his, his favorite Web Warriors list right now has um, Ghost Rider in it. So, it... It is fun that that there's so many different combinations that that you can do. Yeah, I I agree. I've again, this won't be one where this isn't like some crazy discovery. But obviously, people like Corvus and Reality. Um, but I've been playing him sometimes like outside of the more offensive teams, and maybe even just playing him by himself without Proxima, and finding that he's still mm-hmm. just like a really solid five threat. If you like have the two roster slots he can fit into some weird stuff and he doesn't necessarily hmm. need Proxima. Like sometimes you can just use him to like days activated characters and just be like, now I'm going to set up to KO you next. I think there's, I think there's still a lot of room in team design. And I think this spot is probably the most important slot in a lot of teams and recognizing that you, you need to have some flexible options here. Like I play deadly meteors a ton and I don't think a lot of people practice that. And I think you almost you almost kind of want to have a character for this fourth slot that's going to be able to generate two power, like a Valkyrie, a Thor, someone who has access to a gem, Loki in Mindstone, maybe Thanos in Mindstone, anyone who can potentially generate two power to help you out on Deadly Meteors. I feel like you kind of want to have one of those in your team. But yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. many options for this slot. And I think this is... I think it says a lot about each player, right? Like who they like for this slot. And I think when you look down at a roster, you also want to be able to identify who are the characters that they want in that slot. Cause that's going to tell you a bit about how they're going to play like uh black Panther versus Modoc, right? In web warriors. Both of those are really great web warriors, but they're going to tell you a lot about how they plan to play the team. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. All right. Um, any other, characters or team compositions that you want to mention for this kind of unaffiliated flex spot i'm trying to think i will say that surprisingly yeah. for asgard uh okoye is probably this slot for me which may sound weird and you may think that she's this is not the right slot prefer but i often want to play five characters and so my fourth character is almost always okoye because her being only two threat facilitates me fitting in a third right and or fitting in the fifth sorry and right yeah and then the fifth i flex out their point level based on like what i have left 
but I'm almost always getting a Koye in there because that that is the key to me hitting five characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the only other thing I would say with it is uh, this is this is I guess kind of an obvious comment, but having like a fair number of different point characters or gems in your roster to round things out um, helps out a lot with uh, the roster building and and makes it so that um, like you you'd kind of said that a lot of times this one of the really important factors in this slot is the the various point levels and so uh, thinking about that during roster building I think is something that's really important. Yep. And obviously there are some teams that get really comfortable. I think a lot of players like may practice Wakanda at like 15 to 17, maybe 15 to 18 and don't often play it above that. But then I think like when I look at my like black order roster, I am forcing 20. If I can, if I have the choice, I am choosing extracts and forcing alien ships and we're playing a 20 threat game. And you better have a plan for that because black order is ridiculous at 20 when they have everything they want. Yeah. Yeah. It can it can be rough. Um, but on the flip side, part of what inspired this episode was people comparing Taskmaster to other characters and realizing that Taskmaster is your affiliated third. He will very, very rarely be your fourth character. He will very rarely be that unaffiliated fourth. He's not right. better than right. Gwen. He's not better than Miles, I think, in a lot of situations. I think I think I was talking with Jacob and he said that there is a team where he has a taskmaster in the last slot. Cause he just wants a really durable three threat character. And he's like a little bit more durable than Valkyrie and maybe comparably durable to Proxima, maybe slightly more durable. And it's just, so he chose, he chose taskmaster in that case. But I think in most others, if you have your three affiliated, you're probably not taking taskmaster. He's not that good, right. but right. Okay. So, Let's move on and talk about the last spot, which then this spot kind of ends up being like one of the hardest to figure out what to run, I think, because sometimes you'll you get to your fifth spot and realize you don't have room for the right character. And so you kind of almost have to go back at that point and look at your your affiliated third and your your unaffiliated fourth character and go, do I need to change these to open up room for this last character? Or if you're Cabal you sometimes want to stay at four and you're like, well, crap, I still have points left. <laughs> I think I have to make one of the other characters bigger. Um, but what would you say is one of the best examples for you of like a, like a last fifth precision character that finishes out teams for you? I guess real quick before I answer that, I want to ask you a question. So sure. You've, you've said that you've liked Shuri a lot uh, in enabling you to take a fifth character. You mean Okoye? Um, yeah, Koye, yep. that's what I meant. Um, are there any of the other twos that you have been liking, or is it usually uh, all Okoye all the time? Uh, it is Okoye like 95% of the time. Um, there are only key situations where I will take other ones. Like, obviously, Guardians, Rocket opens up a lot of options for them and his natural synergies with Groot. Um, but in most cases, Okoye being three energy defense and having a reroll and having a range four energy attack that auto generates a power, she's kind of my go-to. 
and she just does so many things and there's been a lot of games where we've played and like well you tried out this character in that two threat slot and i feel like if that had just been okoye i lose because on turn two you're bodyguarding for modok or something and right um so in a lot of situations she is my go-to two threat and i think she's pretty above the curve for compared to other two threats but wong and toad i do think open things up a bit more where toad being able to hand out incinerate and um wong being a character that can like heal your big character like your modok or your thor or uh, angela at some point i think there are i think there's gonna be a little bit more competition but i still love i still love okoye um but that is still when i was talking about her early that was very specifically for my asgard team where i'm forcing deadly meteors and spider portals and so having a two threat that can be in the middle of the table and take a decent amount of punishment is pretty important. And the other characters just don't fulfill that as well. Right. Right. I think there are like, I've, I've enjoyed playing both like uh, widow and rocket um, in, in various scenarios. Um, so I, I do think that they have um, places, but it, I guess, again, it's, it's an example of knowing what your strategy is and, and pursuing it. And so you, you knew what, scenarios you're likely going to be trying to force and and that uh okoye played well into that so yeah that's cool. absolutely okay so um and i think okoye does kind of fit this for some teams like sometimes you like i've heard pat talk about it with cabal right a lot of the time you've like it used to be um ultron venom modok and red skull at 17 and then suddenly you're playing on evac and you have two more points Right. And so that's a point where he's often slotted in rocket into into some cabal teams. Now, I know that the the Venom Ultron drop off isn't there anymore, but maybe you're still playing Venom and um, could be low, you know, Loki and Venom. Like there's a lot of options there, but you might you might be picking a two threat because now you've kind of gotten your core four already and you're happy with that four. But now that the threat level is going up, you don't want to remove any of those. You don't want to change them. So you're just adding in one more. Are, are you, I guess one, one other question for you. Are, are you usually finding that uh, you are, when it's coming to this slot, are, are you uh, picking a three point character or four point character? Or how, how many, points are usually having left um it does depend pretty heavily on the the team composition so say in in asgard i'm almost always going thor valkyrie and then obviously i'm playing loki or hella and so right there i'm at 12 and then okoye mm-hmm. puts me to 14 and so then i have multiple characters that fill in from there and it's like oh we're playing 13 i'm probably playing miles as my three threat because i like i like he's got a, he's an above average durability character right he you know he can steal people's extracts that keeps me in the in the in the scenario game and then if it's i have a four threat say we're playing at 18 then i might not take miles and i might take black panther i might take ronin it kind of depends on the depends on the roster and then some situations i may play both loki and hella and so go like thor loki hella valkyrie okoye um, so you, you've right. got some flex there, but obviously then it's like, it's totally different when I'm playing, um, say Wakanda, because your core you're starting off with is Black Panther, Shuri, Okoye. And so right there you're at nine. And so at 17, I might play something like 
Doctor Strange and Valkyrie. But then if we go up to 18, then I'm like, well, I still want to keep Doctor Strange. He's still super effective. I love what he brings with the additional push tech and like potentially pulling people into Black Panther. And it all synergizes so well. So maybe I'm keeping him, but now I'm dropping Valkyrie. And maybe that last slot is vision now because the point level allows or maybe it's Enchantress, um, that sort of thing. And so it, it really depends on which affiliation that I'm kind of talking about as to like what the, what that threat level is for the last spot. Cause say if you're playing Black Order, your three primary Black Order characters mm. go to 15 threat. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> then your, your fourth character, I'm usually like, I want to play, um, I want to play Shuri or I want to play Valkyrie. Or I want to play Gwen. I want to play one of those really powerful three threats to accent that team. And I can really only run five at 20 or I have to run two, two threats to run five at 19, which might be Wong and Okoye or maybe Toad and Okoye, I think are all potentially viable, but some people really love Nebula over there. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess part of the reason why I, was asking these questions is it kind of illustrates that it's, it's a little bit difficult to give like a, a generalized, you know, these are the, this is what's going to happen in the fifth slot because um, like you said, it's, there's so many kind of unique situations and, and you're, you've been heading down a decision tree. And by the time you get to the fifth slot, there's, you've, you've made a lot of decisions by that point already. And so you're, you're going to kind of already have your fate uh, being made at that point. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, it's already kind of written and you have no other options. And sometimes you're like, it's too important for me to get in this key character into the last spot. And so sometimes you have to go back and kind of like pick a different for one of the other spots to like, to keep that spot open to what you want. And I think we've all been there where we've like, they put the rosters down, we rolled, we got the crisis selection, and then suddenly you're like, we're playing at a a threat level on a crisis that I just don't have the optimal characters for. And it's like, oh, if we were playing one higher or one lower, I feel like I can make a great team. And But those are the kind of like exercises you have to do to round out your roster and figure out like, did I take way too many options for my unaffiliated fourth and then not leave enough flexibility for my fifth slot? And those are, those are, I think are some of the hardest decisions that we have to make. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I love Corvus in reality, but taking two slots makes that a hard, a hard, uh, hard thing to justify when you're like, well, I've got to think about playing this character into this crisis and this one, but, um, let's see, I want to give listeners a couple good examples. Um, what's an affiliation we haven't talked about much. Um, have you played any Avengers recently? Avengers? Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I will say I have started to find that Doctor Strange is a ridiculously powerful, like, fourth character for them. Um, because he isn't affiliated. God, if he ever becomes an Avenger, that shit's going to be crazy. <laughs> but he does seem like a really ridiculous Avenger. Because, man, with, like, you get Cap on his injured side, and suddenly Doctor Strange is giving him a fourth and a fifth dice on the Mystic Attacks, and he's counting Blanks' as successes, so now suddenly he's, like, actually kind of durable against Mystic Attacks, too. But I know you had a... I don't want to bring up bad memories, but I know there was a game at LVO where, like, Cap was just tanking all of MODOK's attacks. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that happens. You had, you had mentioned ones that we hadn't talked as much about. Um, I, I was shuffling through my cards, and the two that stuck out at me, one uh, maybe isn't as uh, interesting because waiting on a few more key models, it feels like, with spider foes. But Yeah, I think we can wait a little bit on them. They need um, tactics cards. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy is essentially something that could be interesting to discuss because there's there's a lot of choices that you can make with a guardians roster right yeah i mean guardians can run almost anyone right and i think originally when guardians released you you almost kind of ran things really budget like you would pick like kind of inexpensive characters like star lord maybe drax and rocket and then you kind of fill out the rest of the team with non-guardians but now with angela around the corner I think there actually is potential where guardians may run like four guardians, maybe even five guardians and be able to like use crew of the Milano on all of them. And then maybe you're bringing in like Mm -hmm. one other character and maybe they're just like bringing in a Gwen or maybe they're going all in. Like I just played against guardians today and my opponent was playing um, rocket Groot, rocket Groot, star Lord, Angela and Modok. And it was just nice. an insane <laughs> amount of firepower, um, like crazy, insane amount of like murder potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, Guardians feel like they could run just about anything. They're less dependent on Shuri because of the the Star Lord leadership. And I don't know. Have mm-hmm. you played Guardians enough where you have found that there's a like any unaffiliated that you just really love bringing in to Guardians? In general, one of the one of the strategies that I've employed fairly frequently with Guardians is uh, I'm I'm usually looking at can my opponent deal with have does his character does his list have a weakness where if or this scenario where if I have a fairly big uh, model advantage on him that it's going to be kind of backbreaking to him and. So, uh, in the, in the past when I've played guardians, I've, I've tend to, um, employed more of a Zerg swarm, uh, tactic than, uh, the, you know, higher quality stuff like Modoc and Angela. Okay. Who are your favorite for the affiliated slots? Maybe if we go down, like obviously you're running star Lord. And then when you start picking yeah, uh-huh. your, like, do you have go to for the affiliated slots? Um, I'm usually, I will. Like I'm going to have a hard time anytime I play Guardians, not starting with Star Lord Rocket. Okay, and I mean that Groot. seems reasonable. And 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 part of that is that Deadly um, Duo is ridiculous. Rocket's just one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true too. And and Rocket's just one of my favorite characters. Um, and there's there's there is something uh, pretty interesting as well about. You know, being at eight points with your your three affiliated characters, so uh, that's that's quite good. Um, but then, and the there's there's a lot of scenarios where you could you know be getting up to you know six characters, whatever. Where especially if you're doing like okay, so now uh, maybe I consider Taskmaster as my fourth affiliated okay. slot. You're only at eleven there, so. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and now I'm adding Valkyrie, 
and I'm at 14. And so you can put, uh, still put Shuri or Gwen mm-hmm. and hit 17. Like that's yep. a really strong, uh-huh. like, and you're getting to six characters when most people can't hit six characters at that total. Correct. Yeah. Um, I will say like, while I was heavily testing gamma wave at one point, and I actually found that at the time, my favorite team in gamma wave was actually star Lord rocket Groot Shuri black Panther. Now, mind you, I think black Panther could potentially flex for, um, vision, but overall I Mm -hmm. really liked it. Now, obviously things have changed a little bit and there's no drop off anymore. And I really like, um, Sooner Five had suggested a team that was Star Lord, Rocket, Groot, Okoye, Modok, and after talking about that, I think that might be one of the most powerful fifteen threat teams in the game for Gamma Wave specifically. Maybe not for for Wakandan Earths. That's totally different. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah so um, past that, are there when you do you often bring in another two threat like Black Widow or Okoye when you run wide with Guardians? Yeah, yeah. There's there has been uh, that. Um, I, there's actually and there's been a f- sometimes as where well I've when I've um, opted to go with Nebula as well, and so uh, I think that's a situation where she can be interesting. Uh, yeah. Also, you know, on the subject of Guardians and of other teams, I am surprised I do not see Ronan more often. I don't think he's often going to be that kind of affiliated fourth, but I think he's obviously he could fit Mm -hmm. into any slot potentially in guardians, like wherever you want him, depending on the threat level. But he's a character that like, if the threat level allowed for it, I'm not sure any affiliation cannot make a good use of Rodin. Yeah, that's fair. And so he's one, I think it's interesting. This is sort of off topic, but I've had this discussion with uh, Norbert. Um, I've even discussed it with some A&G people just kind of in passing where I've said, I feel like every month there's this extremely interesting meta that is created and we really only have about one month to explore it. And we're coming originally from like a Magic the Gathering background where a meta is created and it kind of exists for three months before it starts changing. And so only having one month to explore it often feels short, like there's i think there's still a lot of really interesting things that probably have not been discovered or not been tested to their fullest it's not like back when we played war machine where it's like come on guys like the great lists have basically been figured out you need to figure out which one you're gonna play right (laughs) Right back in mark ii but now we're we're still only we're less than a year in to marvel crisis protocol i think there are still fantastic teams that have yet to be discovered yeah, I think that's true. And I think that my, <laughs> I was, I was working with my manager. We were doing some merchandising at my store and, um, we, we got to the crisis protocol area and he's like, I didn't expect there to be that much of this stuff. This quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, there is you know, like next week or sorry, next month, there's, there's four boxes coming out. Um, and, and granted, uh, compared to uh, like, I've been doing games workshop releases lately where they're putting out, you know, 10 to 15 items Jesus. A week, and it just blows my mind, the amount of product that they pump out. Um, but, and granted that's across yeah. multiple games, et cetera. But, um, yeah, it's there, there is, I, for, for every player, I guess there's, 
can be a different perception on it on whether or not it's you know too much stuff too quickly or too slow for them or or just right um but but overall i've been quite happy with uh the release schedule of the game so and i i also appreciate that uh you know there's there's some people who are completionists and basically buy everything but um i appreciate that the game is also one where you don't need to do that to be competitive yep and i've i know i'm in a weird spot where i own everything except the playmats and i did not buy the the Mm. bonus new york terrain set because i bought two core sets so playmats and like one terrain set are the only things that i haven't purchased but i've bought a second core set and i've probably bought half of the models a second time partially because i want extra affiliation tokens or i want to redo a paint job or i want to try an alternate paint scheme or sometimes i like to have extra of key models for when i have friends playing with me and maybe we both need a black panther or we both need a thor or something like that and so to have a few few extras well you've also been one of the things you've been doing with the pandemic has been pushing yourself with painting trying different techniques etc and so extra models to to do that with is is nice as well there are definitely some of my first models where I felt like they were just came out too dark and I was also experimenting with contrast paints and I was not using them correctly. And so I felt like there was some paint jobs I really didn't like and they just came out too dark and I wanted to push myself to do brighter stuff. But either way, I think we have totally derailed at this point, but we're still talking about Marvel Crisis <laughs> Protocol and we're not talking about like Moneyball or something. So uh, I suppose we're still reasonably on. But overall, for the listeners, I just hope that your takeaway um, from this is thinking about your roster one, making sure you have a few characters for kind of maybe potentially each one of these slots um, and recognizing if there's a spot where you have too much and a spot where you have too little and see what sort of changes you need to make there. And just when you're making comparisons for like building your roster, you're not just putting like. 10 characters on there because you think they're the 10 best characters sometimes you may end up with too many characters for kind of one of these team roles and not leaving yourself um enough flexibility and so i think that's the core takeaway do you have any like you know morals for the for the listeners jay after all of this banter um um, i guess i would just reemphasize what we said, uh, kind of a know thyself situation, um, where, you know, there's some, we're a lot, we're, we're playing these games to have fun. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just fun to play these different comic book characters. Um, but also knowing the other aspect of knowing thyself is that if you are just, if you are trying to optimize a competitive list, knowing what your strategies are going to be, what your, trying to do with the list um, are, are going to make you that much more successful. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like the games that I end up enjoying the least are when I've really messed up one of the slots and realized that I chose the totally wrong character for the given situation and had a character that didn't feel like it was pulling their weight. And that mm. made me feel like I was getting really behind where I just like, man, that one simple choice, either in roster design or in team design, put me at a pretty significant disadvantage. And and this is where like if you do a little bit of this and like look through your options maybe run a few like quick oh what would i what would i choose in this situation that sort of thing might help round that out and avoid those situations so you can have that really close intense fun game where you come out of it and you're like man 
I don't care who won. That was just a great game. 16 to 15. That was close till the very end. I think those are the games that we enjoy the most. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say. All right. Well, Jay, thank you so much for chatting with me on this topic. I know this is kind of a kind of a weird one. That's also kind of what I'm known for, I think, like doing really weird episodes on stuff that nobody else wants to talk about. But hey, we have tons of characters coming all the time and just recognizing that just because they're not the best three threat character in the game doesn't mean they don't have a spot on a team. And I think that's that's probably my moral of this story, if I were to be succinct, which I rarely am. <laughs> Okay, I I will agree with you. <laughs> agree with me on my point, or agree that I'm rarely succinct. Whoa, <laughs> I, I think we're out of time. We we can move on from this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Omnis Protocol. If you are not already listening to Recalibration Matrix, you absolutely should. I love the show, especially that Greb Webster guy. He's such a friendly neighborhood nerd. He is. Jay, again, thank you for recording. Listeners, thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. I have more awesome episodes coming out for you every week. And this will wrap things up. And the most OP thing that you can do is copy Jay's roster, because that shit's broken. Uh, <laughs> no, the most OP thing you can do is back on this protocol on Patreon. Oh.